Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Doing good? Well, that is uh, definitely my prayer this morning, what we just sang, that God would reign in us, and through His Word, He would work in us, and, uh, and so I'm excited about this morning. But um, if you would turn to the book of Ephesians, we started last week, uh, this series, Study Through the Book of Ephesians. We're going to go in verse by verse through this book. Last week, we just did some background and, and, uh, and actually read through the whole book together. So this week, we're going to start with verse... One, but Ephesians chapter one, I'm going to read this morning, uh, verse one through verse 14. We'd love for you to follow along. Uh, we're not going to cover that much, but, um, verses one through 14 of Ephesians chapter one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Father God, thank you so much for your word. It is truth. Lord, we want to receive it this morning. So I pray as your word prays, open our eyes that we could behold wondrous things from your law. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're starting with verse 1, and just to let you know, um, over the next weeks, even as we take a couple of verses at a time, we're going to be reading uh, at least verses 3 through 14, because in the Greek, uh, the original language, verses 3 through 14 are one sentence. Not broken apart like we have it, but just this one wonderful, your teacher would fail you sentence, but this incredible worshipful sentence from start to finish from three all the way down through verse 14 where Paul's just praising God and laying out this picture from eternity past all the way to eternity future of all that we have in Christ all that God has given us all the workings of God in it and it actually breaks down and shows the working of God his son the Holy Spirit in salvation and it's just this beautiful one sentence It's amazing. And so as we kind of break it apart, we're going to stay faithful to that, realizing that Paul, 
took this deep breath, okay, and just said all of this in one sentence. There's no periods, there's no stops, there's nothing. It's just this worshipful sentence from him to the Lord. So we're going to be faithful to that as we kind of break it down into smaller sections and, uh, and kind of read that weekly uh, as one sentence. But at the beginning there, verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. Now, last week we talked about that first word. Paul is the author of this book. He's the writer of this book. The Holy Spirit used him, inspired through him the writings of these words. And so it was Paul that wrote this down as a letter to Ephesus and probably other churches in that area. Paul, an apostle, it says, of Christ Jesus. An apostle, Paul, Paul expressed from the very beginning, very simply, just one word, his authority, but powerfully. Because that word apostle meant something. An apostle shows that Paul's authority is equal to the 12 apostles chosen by Christ. And just to let you know, the apostles were specifically called by Christ and had seen the risen Lord Jesus Christ. When you see who were apostles in the New Testament, uh, they had been called by Christ. They had seen Christ. They had the authority to speak and write the words of God. And Paul was called to be an apostle. If you remember, if you were here when we went through the book of Acts, Paul was called to be an apostle on the road to Damascus, where Jesus appeared to him and saved him at that moment and then sent him as an apostle of Christ. If you go further, uh, or actually a few pages back in your, in your New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, 8, it says uh, that he was the last of the apostles. And so he, here he is writing this and saying, um, giving authority of, of, of where his, um, uh, this letter is really coming from as an apostle of Christ Jesus. And then he goes on after that and he says, by the will of God. Now, I think that's an important statement by the will of God. It was, it was God's will that Paul was an apostle. It was God's will that he was living in, not just his apostleship, but if you look through the book of Acts, if you look through Corinthians, if you look through the things that, that Paul lived through and the things that he did, he was doing them because it was God's will. And he was living and working and ministering and serving and teaching and studying and, and all of these things in God's will. Now, I read that and I wonder how many of us can say the same thing. That day to day to day to day to day, we're doing what we're doing because it's God's will and we're seeking His will in our life. And we're, we're longing and, 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 and seeking to do what He's called us to do. I, I was convicted um, when, when Francis Chan, the pastor of Cornerstone Church in uh, uh, Simi Valley, California, was preaching through the book of Colossians. And at the very beginning, Paul says a similar thing. And he says, by the will of God, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. And and Francis just said in, in studying that, how he had to step away and literally leave and get away and just spend time with the Lord and say, Lord, am I doing what you called me to do? Am I where you called me to be? Am I serving you the way that you've called me to serve you? Am I obedient to you? Am I in your will? Am I doing what your word has said to do? It'd be good for me to do that and you to do that. To examine our hearts as we see Paul confidently and, and honestly and with all integrity to be able to say, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I'm doing what I'm doing by the will of God. Can we say the same thing? I'm, I'm a mom. By the, not me, okay? I'm just putting words in your mouth here for a second. Everyone's like, what? Uh, by the will of God. I'm a father by the will of God. I, I, I work at this place by the will of God. And in the midst of those things, I'm serving God and doing what he's called me to do, and I'm living this out in front of the world. To Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by 
the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. It was written by Paul to the saints who are faithful in Christ Jesus. That word saints means holy ones, set apart ones. Those who are faithful members of God's people. What he's saying is all the members of the church. Those who are in Christ, those who have been bought by Christ, those who are a part of the church, not Cornerstone Church, the church of Christ, that you were purchased into by his blood, that you were saved into. To those, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. I want to look at that word faithful for him to be able to write that to this church, those who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And the first is the question, would we write that here individually and as a body? Are we the body who is faithfully doing what God has called us to faithfully live out? And and my prayer is, as we go through the book of Ephesians, that we become that more and more and more and more and more. This faithful body, these people who are becoming more and more and more and more and more like the image of Christ. But it's not an arrival point. It's not a point that we pray for and seek for through God's word. And then all of a sudden we reach this point and now we're faithful. And someone would write a, a letter about us and say to the faithful church in Columbus, to the faithful church cornerstone. They've arrived. They've made it. The reason I say that is if you'll turn all the way towards the end of your Bible to Revelation, it's the last book of the Bible, chapter 2. We can never get to the point, even as we're praying and we're seeking God and, and looking to be faithful people who follow Him, we can't get to the point where we think we did it. We made it. We've arrived. We're a faithful people now. Praise God. We can sit down. Because in Revelation chapter 2, there's a letter written from Jesus to the church in Ephesus. This is Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus. To the angel, it says, verse 1, of the church in Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake and you have not grown weary. So good things. But verse four, I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So when Jesus speaks this letter to the Ephesians in the beginning of Revelation, there's a difference what he says is you've forgotten your first love. You're doing good works and, you, and you're, doing, you're, you're, you're doing faithful things. But somewhere between uh, this letter to the Ephesians and, and, and the point where Jesus speaks this, they lost their first love. 
They've forgotten this passionate zeal and, and love and reason that they were doing the things they were doing, which was passion for God, love for God, zeal for God. And they've forgotten that. And so even as we pray through and go through this book, it's not some level that we're trying to get to. We want to honor God. We want to please God, just like the Ephesians wanted to do. We want to have this zeal for God, this love for God, this, this, this pleasure in God, this treasure of God that just motivates us and moves us toward righteousness and faithful living. So he says to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his greeting to the church. This, this is a desire for the church. It'd be neat if we kind of adopted that, right? It'd be neat thing if we kind of adopted that kind of a greeting, right? Instead of, hi, hey, but some sincere, like, grace to you and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. That would spur on some questions, I would imagine, right? You're going to work. Hey, Steve, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Did he just grace and peace me? Like, was, but can you, I mean, if in all sincerity, if we would just have this kind of a mindset with our prayers even for the saints. I mean, this was his earnest desire for the saints that they would have grace and peace from Christ that can only come from Christ. If that would be our desire and our zeal and, and interest for those around us, for the body of Christ, that genuinely, sincerely, that would be our desire. Not just, hey. But man, I, my desire for you is grace and peace. I'm praying that for you. I'm wishing that for you. I'm hoping that for you. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. His first two words, blessed be. Blessed be. The word blessed means to speak well of someone, to speak good of someone. And God is good. That's who, who Paul's writing about here. That's who he's saying, blessed be. He's speaking well of God. He's speaking good of God because God is good. Psalm 34 verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. I'll speak well of the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I'll bless the Lord at all times. So from the very beginning, Paul is, is praising God, the Father of Jesus Christ. Blessed be. From, from the beginning of scriptures all the way through the, the end of eternity, which there is no end of. God is blessed. You read it all throughout the scriptures. Blessed be God. I will bless God. I will speak well of God. And that will never change because God is good. He is faithful. He's the only one deserving of those things. So that's how Paul starts this, this long sentence. Blessed be God. He's blessing the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ. Blessed be God who has blessed us in Christ. So we see here at the very beginning that God is the blessed, right? He's the one that's lifted up. He's the one that's praised. He's the one that's spoken well of. But he's also the blesser. He's the one that's blessing. What it says is us. So bless, praise be God who blesses us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, who has bestowed on us certain things. And that's what he's saying here. God has blessed us with things, things that are worthy, he's saying, of worship, worthy of praise. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from God, who never changes. He's the good giver. He's the giver of all good things, not just some good things. All good things are from God. So blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, it says. Now, who's the us in that? It's the saints, right? That's who he's That's who he's writing to. Grace to you and peace. He's talking to the saints, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Those who are his saints, those who are faithful followers, those who are or who are in Christ. He's blessed us, it says, the saints, the church. With certain things, Galatians 3, 9 affirms that it says, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You ever think of that? When we think of people in the Bible, we think of men of faith in the Bible. We think, think of women of faith in the Bible. We set them apart. We set them up on this level. We make them different. They were different than us. They had more faith than us. They did this better than us. They were, they were different than us, right? But what Galatians says is, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That in Christ, just as Paul's saying here, that you have been blessed with certain things because you're in Christ. Notice that word, okay? Who has, that's past tense, that's already happened, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Whatever he's blessed us with is ours already. That's what Paul's saying. It's already ours. If you're in Christ, it's already yours. Whatever it is he's talking about that he's blessed us with, it's ours already. Done deal in Christ. It's bought, paid for by Christ on the cross, and it's ours forever. It can be taken away. It's ours. It's already been credited. It's already been given. It's ours in Christ. Think through how wonderful the things that God gives us must be. So what is it? What's he blessed us with? He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. Everything attached to the Holy Spirit. Now that word spiritual, that's where it comes from. The root of that word is pneuma, which, which, which is the Holy Spirit, which is spirit, okay? So that word, the root of it is, is, is pneuma, and it's communicating that these gifts of God are conveyed and given by the Holy Spirit. They're connected to 
the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about that word as we get further in the book, but these blessings, it says, that are from God through Christ by the Holy Spirit are in the heavenly places. He's not talking about heaven alone. He's talking about this supernatural realm of God, which includes heaven. But it's not that they're just stored up for us in heaven. There are gifts, there are things that have have been given to us by God that are now, that are present, that are real. Came across this this story. So I was studying and preparing for this. Of Hetty Green. Anybody know who Hetty Green is? No? I'm not surprised, but... Hetty Green is known as America's greatest miser. So you're like, oh, okay, I like this, right? When she died in 1916, which was a long time ago, right? She left an estate value of $100 million. Now that is a lot of money in 1916. A lot of money in 2010. She left this estate worth $100 million. But Hetty Green was so miserly that she said she ate cold oatmeal because it was too expensive to heat the water to warm it. Her son had a severe leg injury and it was so severe that she was delaying trying to find a free clinic where it could be treated and she delayed so long it had to be amputated. That's strange, isn't it? you You hear a story like that and you're like, I would like to hate her. I would like to be mad at her for a while, right? That's a weird thing to think that she would have that much wealth, that all of that asset, right? A hundred million dollars in her name. And to be so ignorant as to let your son lose his leg because you're not willing to tap into what you have. I think that story is very much like most Christians in the church. Because we walk around pretending or acting or not knowing that we have so much that has been given to us in Christ. And we walk around and we mope around and we pity around and we have nothing. We have no strength. We have no this. We have no that. I wish I could do this. And I just pray for this. And I pray for this. And all the while God is saying... Have you even checked your account? Like, have you looked at your account? I've given you so much in Christ. I think that's why this passage and the whole book of Ephesians is important because it's written to people just like her. The kind of Christian who doesn't understand the riches that he already has in Christ. Already has in Christ. The kind of Christian who wanders through life with a case of spiritual malnutrition. Not knowing where the feast is that God has offered to us and given to us freely. John MacArthur says this, Jesus didn't spend it all. He paid it all and then left it for us to draw on forever. That's such a great picture in my mind. He didn't spend it all. He paid it all and then left it for us to draw on forever. And so many of us are walking around like we're starving. Like God just hasn't given us as much as he's given the next person. 
if I just had as much as, as that person, if God just entrusted me with as much as that person, and all the while, God's saying, I've given you everything. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. There's nothing more spiritually that He could give to us. He's given us everything that we need spiritually. We think through that time when, when Jesus is going to physically reign on the earth and how wonderful that will be, right? And it will be, no doubt about it. It will be wonderful when Jesus physically reigns. But when we're thinking that, are we missing out on what we could have that will be there now? I mean, you think of the, the millennial kingdom when Christ physically reigns and, and rules and, and, it, and it says he will physically rule and reign externally th- enthroned on the earth. But right now we have Christ enthroned in our lives. Jesus reigning in us and and dwelling in us. Giving us his spirit. When Jesus physically reigns on the earth, we think then there will be righteousness. Then there will be true righteousness, right? Romans and Galatians teaches us that the believer has the righteousness of Christ already already credited to our account. We can't get more righteousness than that. We have it. And when 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 Christ bought us, he credited to us his righteousness, perfect righteousness. We think in that kingdom, when Christ reigns, there's going to be peace, finally peace, right? The scripture tells us the believer has the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Already. God blesses us with all that is possible to dispense to us through the agency of the spirit of God. And yet so many of us think that we have no resources, no hope, just kind of just pedaling along through life and just wishing, wishing, wishing. And all along, God says, I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It affects the way we pray, right? We pray for things we already have. Lord, I need more love. Lord, would you just give me more love? Please, God, today, would you just give me more love? It's like, I I can't. I can't possibly give you more love. Romans tells us that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5. Whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may be sure that we are in him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved 
us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Pray, Lord, I need peace. I need peace. John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We'll pray, Lord, I need joy. John 15, 11, Jesus says, He was leaving His joy in us that it might be what? Full. Not part. Full. My joy I'm leaving with you that it might be full. We might pray, I need strength. What's Philippians 4.13 say? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, we ask for things that we already have so often. We just don't believe it. We just don't know it. We just don't understand it. And what we need to be asking is what James tells us to ask for, right? Wisdom. God, give me wisdom. Give me insight. Help me to understand. Let me know these things. Give me wisdom to seek your word. Give me wisdom to be in your word so that I'm aware of these wonderful blessings and benefits that you've given me in Christ. 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, His divine power. Now that's the source, okay? That's what Paul's saying also in Ephesians. It's from God. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's provided that for us. So that we don't need to be walking around wishing that God would just give us more of himself. He's given us everything that we need. And maybe it's just that we need to be giving him more of us. Instead of continually getting into this rut of praying, God, if you just give me more of you, give me more of you, give me more of you. Maybe it's time that we just realize, God, you've given me everything that I need for life and godliness. You've blessed me in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I need to give you more of me. I need to worship you and give you worth and praise you by giving and surrendering over to you those things that I've selfishly held back, even though you're worthy of taking them and changing me. To the blessed, the worthy one is the blesser who has blessed us with everything we need. That doesn't mean we always make use of it, just like this miser. doesn't mean we always tap into it. It doesn't mean we always know it. It doesn't mean we always feel it, but it's there. Always. God has given it graciously through His Son, Christ. We didn't know that we are rich in Christ. How do we do that? That's one of the reasons that that I'm challenging you as as we work through this book to be reading it. To make this commitment to at least once a week as we're working through verse by verse through this book. To make this commitment of reading it. Why? So that God's word is getting into our hearts so that instead of these doubts and and defeated mindset that we have of of we can't do anything in Christ and we're just not able. I just can't make it. I can't give up this sin and I can't stop doing this. And man, I wish I could. I wish I had the power to do those things. 
I wish I had the ability. I wish I had the strength. I wish I had the whatever it takes. I wish I had that. Instead of walking through life thinking that way, that we'd have God's word, God's truth inside of our head and in our heart. Some of you have said to me, you're, you're, you're committing to, to, to work through this and, and attempt to memorize this book and to put it in your head and in your heart. Why am I challenging you to do that? So that your thoughts are God's thoughts. So that you're thinking these things. So that when doubts come, when, when temptation comes, and it will. It does, right? But when those doubts come, I just can't do it. I just don't have enough. I don't this. I don't... That what comes to my mind and what comes to my heart is, no, blessed be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And as we work our way down through next week, as we look at verses 4 and 5 and then beyond, my prayer is just that our eyes are open to all that God has blessed us with. And there's so much more, right? I mean, how do we live in that? Galatians 5 tells us that if we walk by the Spirit, verse 16, then we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. And it goes down further, if we're filled with the Spirit, then we're going to be filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. There's so much more than what we can cover of what God has blessed us with, and we'll get more into that as we go through the passage. But what my prayer is, is that we would just know it, that we would believe God's never lied to me. And he has said that he purchased for me and bought for me, not just forgiveness, but everything that I need spiritually. That he's credited me with righteousness, his righteousness, not my best efforts, his righteousness. And I can believe him in that. I can trust him in that. I can worship him in that. Why has he done that? It says right here, these two words, because we're in Christ. As we work our way through this passage, we're going to see that over and over. In Christ, in Him, in the Beloved, over and over. It's because of Christ that we have these things. Let me pray. Father, thank You so much. Thank You so much for Your goodness, Your grace, Your love, Your strength, Your righteousness, Your forgiveness. Thank You for Jesus. Thank you for the truth of this this verse. I pray that your word would go deeply into hearts. I know, I know there are people here who are struggling, doubting, not believing you for all that you are. Not believing that they can overcome sin because of you. Not believing that they can live in Christ not believing that they can walk by the Spirit. And yet, God, even in this one verse, you tell us, you proclaim to us and glorifying yourself that you have blessed us with every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So we thank you for Jesus because it's in him that we have those things. I pray if there's anyone here today that is not in Christ. Father, that you'd open their eyes to 
your goodness and your love for your children. That you gave Jesus to purchase salvation, to take our sin, and to give us righteousness. Would you open their eyes to that? Would you open all of our eyes to that? God, help us to see you as the blessed one who blesses us and to give you all of us that we might be the faithful ones who live and walk in this blessing that you have poured out. In Christ's name, amen.